This is Leicester Emergent Arts Radio. Hello, uh, this is a Radio Lear podcast with uh, me, Rob Watson. And today I'm at the Phoenix Theatre in Leicester. And I'm joined by Andy Harper and Dave... I knew I'd get this wrong straight away. It's Dave Dono. The Dave Dono. I've even written it down as Dono. And it's like yeah, I looked yeah. at it and my brain just freezes. with Just the, think mono, like stereo. <laughs> well, mono there we go. Rhymes. Uh, and we, we've kind of got together today as a, a bit of an impromptu, maybe a, I wouldn't exactly describe it as an experiment, but as a kind of we've never met. And we don't know anything about each other very much other than the quick chat that we've just had. Um, so this is a, a way of finding out about what you do, um, what, what you're up to, what kind of stuff you create. Um, so do you want to, do you want to, who wants to go first in telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you think the world might want to know about you? Oh, geez. <laughs> that last bit's... <laughs> A bit of an ask. Um, yeah, I'm Dave. I've uh, lived in Leicester most most of my life. I'm a musician and artist, I guess. I do various kind of... Um, over the years, I've done video stuff. I've done a master's at De Montfort where I did uh, holography and 3D kind of imaging stuff in the uh, IOCT, which is Institute of... What was it? Creative technology. Creative tech. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was back 2007 um, when it was just kind of starting off. So that was really interesting years um, working there. And uh, yeah, I play with a few different uh, band projects. I play cello and bass guitar primarily, but production and sound stuff, uh, songwriting and whatnot. What about you, Andy? Well, um, so I'm audiovisual artist, um, and I've been involved in the arts for like 20 years. Um, based in Loughborough, um, I used to work in fine art, fine art printing, for say 15 years, and um, currently on the board for the Generator CIC. It's a an arts venue in Loughborough that we're currently trying to complete to raise funds to get it to get it finished. It will be a multimedia arts venue currently scheduled for completion 2025, 20, I think. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been really getting back to full-time art in the last couple of years and bringing music back into my practice as well. So I'm going to start us off with a kind of question which might you might not be able to answer but you probably will be able to answer given your experience and your your kind of expertise is uh, I, I kind of loosely framing this around the idea of emergent art. So that kind of stuff that's um, quite ill-defined, uh, draws on a number of different um, modes of uh, construction, uh, isn't really kind of specifically placed in a you know a, a clearly identifiable space yet it's kind of in emergence um what, tell us give us a little bit of a kind of a, a overview of the work that you do and how it's emerged through your kind of 
the, the different things that you've studied and done and practiced and the work that you've done um, before we get to a point where you can tell us what it is um, do you mean this specific project that we're working on you can relate right it to yeah yeah the, 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 do you want to relate it to that or do you want to go back a bit further and kind of say how did you get to the point where you got to this project and then yeah so I you happy to yeah. Uh, yeah go for it um, I was go- I was going to ask you to, to do that because <laughs> um, I'm not really sure um, where to you, yeah maybe no, got more of a defined journey leading to this because yeah. yeah absolutely I think um, where I think where I've got to with my art practice at the minute it's been like the accumulation of my whole life's work that's gone into it uh, like the personal journey I've been on um, and it's, I think it's just it's representative of growing up and, and living at the time that we're living in born in the 70s um, and being interested in creativity from quite a young age but having um, no one creative in my family at all like no one playing an instrument no one producing any art um, but I think for me uh, getting into being creative has been something like my heart felt so strongly about like I've found myself just creating for the sake of creating um, I think it, I realised it was a form of therapy from quite a young age um, and then yeah I think being it's, it's about like almost like exploring an exploration to like looking at the things that I'm kind of almost like afraid of like I used to be afraid of technology until I embraced it and then realised this is actually it's not it's not actually as scary as I, I kind of thought and, and, and actually I can I can create infinitely more than I than I used to be able to create so like yeah look from, from the very first time um, I had a, a a really old like a spectrum or something or a Commodore and somebody kind of showed me um, this is you know this is paint maybe paint on the Amiga and kind of really struggling to use it um, right up to kind of doing a degree and being told you know if, if you don't get savvy with a Mac you know you're not going to be employable you know so like looking at those things that scared me and realizing that if I if I really push myself to um, to understand them there's a real kind of a benefit at the end of it um, so I, it's it's been there's been a parallel with digital and nature for me and that I've pushed myself in the outdoor world as well as as well as with digital and I've found it's like been this journey into myself where I found that I can do things that I wouldn't be able to do and it's been very expansive um, so after having set up an art business and, and sort of run it for 15 years with the intention to be creative and, and, re- and finding myself not being as creative as I'd, I'd like to have been yeah I think that this turning point for me was lockdown when you know we were all sat at home with nothing to do and, and, and we were furloughed and I just found myself kind of animating and, and doing um, taking my, my old art practice which was very two dimensional and, and realising that there was this real desire to kind of implement motion um, and I suppose that's the point where I've like really embraced emergent technologies um, and I've just 
found that I, uh, after after 20 years of, of of exploring different art forms, that I've got the um, like the wisdom to be able to pick up a tool and try it and use it and create something and then say, okay, that's the end of that project. I'm now going to try something else. And so I've been doing it in quite a humble way and music coming back into my art practice has been really unexpected as well. I dropped making music for 15 years, but then when I picked it up again um, and I started to get to know people like Dave and some of the other sound artists in the scene, there was some, there was some, a lot of encouragement. This kind of um, digital art scene that we're all part of in Leicester is absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's very uh, in- inclusive and encouraging. And you know, a, a, where I'm at with my art practice today, I think I owe a lot to the, the, the people in the scene that have, have really encouraged us and, and myself. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really I've created. Um, um, my sort of artistic statement and that's like my, the holy grail you know like I live and, and die by it and I'm just in, interested in the intersection of like um, nature and technology um, so in everything that I do I try and balance it so there has to be balance uh, it doesn't have to be 50-50 but if there's uh, if there's too much technology I'll ba- balance it with nature or organic um, and that means that I can go full on into like a very intense te- technological kind of exploratory phase and I, I don't go down a, a, a hole and I'm not, not able to output something because I'll always balance it with nature. Um, and that's really the, the approach I've, I've used in, in putting together this like extended EP with, with Dave. Yeah. And tell us a bit about yourself then, Dave. Sure, yeah. So quite a different uh, beginning and, and journey from Andy in that... Um, we're, I think we're about the same age, aren't we? Yeah. I was born yeah. in 79. Um, both my parents were musicians. Um, so I learned um, cello from the age of about 10. And um, as a teenager, got into a lot of kind of... Um, I guess rock music, American kind of noisy uh, bands. So figured uh, playing cello is not not as cool as just um, kind of Unless play- you're in ELO. But <laughs> well, I've, I've come all the way back round to to actually embracing it. But um, but at the time it was kind of like now nah, I just want to play in a scrappy um, like attic with with my friends at school. Um, so I, pl- I played bass in, in my first band and so those are the two instruments that I kind of feel um, I guess most um, most comfortable with um, but yeah there's something about um, a bit like Andy was saying fi- finding um, somewhere where you're comfortable and feel settled um, in, in that group it felt like a it almost didn't matter what we sounded like I think some of the early stuff was pretty well obviously wasn't sounding great but there's a real freedom to it which is different than classical music which tends to be um, well at the time it was I was learning music for a purpose whether it was an exam an audition for an orchestra 
and the difference with uh, playing in, in that band was there was no one outside of, of the band who could tell us what it was meant to be it was just our thing uh, which is a real um, it's an amazing feeling when you're kind of 14, 15 and suddenly it's like wow you can, we can really make something and it's just so much fun um, but yeah I've come to realise that even th- like stuff that seems old like um, my cello's a, a few hundred years old but it's all technolo- technology essentially you know like um, you know Mo- Mozart would be using laptops and you know <laughs> secret sequences and probably building his own stuff you know it's not really old music um each point of um, baroque or classical music people were innovating adding instruments in that that weren't written for so you know there's that idea that um, yeah if you're creating on something it's, it's, it's really it's, it's always going to be new in some way um, and uh, yeah I, I play with a group called Billion O'Clock which is um an electronic and industrial kind of hip-hop project um, which isn't quite a band it involves a lot of um, uh, audio and visual artists different vocalists it's kind of a noise rap thing <coughs> and that's been going for a few years um, we had a, an album out on a, a, a French label a couple of years ago um, so we kind of found our community with that very much online it felt like Leicester wasn't the place where many people would get um, what we did just quite an obscure kind of mix of industrial music um, with rappers, singers um, uh, noisy guitars just all sorts of stuff we've done kind of Joy Division covers we've done an ABBA cover (laughs) with no no instruments just samplers and noise and it's, it's really strange stuff um, and we kind of um, we didn't meet through that did we but um, but Andy kind of joined that um, because it's very much a kind of thing of well if you if you've heard of Billion O'Clock and you don't hate it you're probably going to just <laughs> get involved with it so um, yeah so, so we did a, we've done a couple of gigs together with that um, I, c- I quite like the idea that it's it's not quite a band it's something it, in between <laughs> yeah yeah it's so we had th- we had this idea initially that we'd never record anything and that it would always just be ephemeral it would be just a live thing and that it would kind of disappear but when we realised there were people sort of around Europe or other places um, who would would kind of get it and enjoy it we yeah we we started to record things but, um, yeah, you, you, I, I think I asked Dave at some point I said am I in the band or how does it and Dave said you, <laughs> no don't, you, don't, you don't get asked no one's you sure you, until you, you just, <laughs> I was like okay you can never leave until uh, we have a billion me- a billion cult. members <laughs> yeah. yeah we want a billion yeah but the I, and the album you put together and produced during lockdown as well that kind of like seminal album could you tell us about how like how that came about um 
well the album was kind of pieced together from a lot of kind of live uh, uh, live jams stuff we've recorded um, over I guess almost 10 years um, but a few years before that um, yeah I met this this small um, this guy who runs a label um, very tiny uh, cassette label called Solium which is uh, based somewhere in France I'm not exactly sure where where I know the guy's first name which is Yon Y-O-A-N and very soon um, he just after chatting for a few days he just said I've got a few spare tapes um, would you like to put something out so we did we did this uh, live mixtape that was just us jamming uh, in a room and he put that out um, you know, he'll make like 10 copies 25 copies and do it really quick do it at cost um, he screen prints all the tapes so they they look really good and um, yeah I think we were talking vaguely about doing stuff and it was um, I think it was 2020 um, we just said right let's just um I think I said to him just buy some tapes tell us how long they are and I'll give you enough music for that and so the album um, ended up being two kind of seamless sides of about 22 minutes without a start or an end point so it exists in an analogue form where kind of like a choose your own adventure where you start kind of thing so there's a kind of symmetry to it um, there's no side A or side B they both have just kind of symbols so um, so on our band camp there are the two you can hear it as two digital files and that links to the Solian band camp this French label and the two files the two sides are in the reverse order so they're kind of in this l- infinite um it's kind of a Mobius loop kind of thing where it doesn't really have a um, hierarchy to it. Just dive into it and it goes round like that. Um, and that came out in 2020, I think. So yeah, it did drive me a bit, a bit out of my mind trying to get it finished. Um, it's quite dense. There's a lot in it. But yeah, it was the nature of how it came about that like really impressed me. It was just like lots of jams that you just turned into an yeah. album during lockdown, and it it went. I think it went from something very scrappy sounding to much more polished. Yeah, but it's still scrappy vision. because you can't. A lot of it was just recorded on a handheld digital thing, so it didn't even have separated tracks, which really limits what you can do with. You know, production. Although recently I've been experimenting now with um, AI machine learning stuff where you can break uh, audio into di- you know, music into different elements like drums, vocals, and it does it quite, quite a rudimentary way. But yeah, with the Billion album, it, was, it, it wasn't a sort of traditional recording thing. Some of them did have separate vocals, but a lot of it was, was quite raw stuff. Um, 
and uh, our mutual friend Leone uh, plays violin and, and sings on uh, some billion stuff. I've known Leone many years uh, and uh, I believe that was how we met each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's a brilliant person, just very active around Leicester and she's great at just making things happen. Oh!
beast The bad side of me free from the leash Released on the streets and come to give grief You best believe my belief in my tweets I'm up and out while you sleep Even the peak in the winter is warmer than me Zero degrees in the Caspian Sea Cassio feeds bring it back to the deep freeze So cold my lips chat when I spit raps So bold your neck snaps when you hear that So old I collapse post Big Mac So gold myself you look just like a treasure map What stops in the dream is mine What we know clock up for a time Not the publication I mean the definition Spatial conceptualization Pay attention I'm Schrodinger's gentleman My boner is both alive and dead I'm being genuine Till you open your box and find out I'm a loud mouth, loud social hat boy scout With the pulse of the iris, twitch of the eyelids, prick every shake of the wrist, and Mars into red mist. Shake of the foot, break water brooks. One mighty gulp, drink oceans up. One flicker on my eyelash, make aurora borealis light bands. A quiet murmur on my voice glance. Entire populations of birds dance. When stood in a reverse, kid that stance, I command ants to unearth the desert sands. I clap on my hands. So, what, what do you work? What's the next thing that you're working on? Well, it's called the, the, what is it? The Nimbus Mixtape, we're calling it. Um, so my band, Dayflower, is, I, I guess in a lot of ways, a much more traditional sounding band. We love um, sort of noisy, like indie and rock sort of stuff, like 80s and 90s indie creation records and sort of um, dense guitars. It's, it's quite poppy sort of stuff. Um, we try and not make it sound too nostalgic there'll be your little le- electronic bits in there but it's not like billion o'clock it's recognisably songs you know um, and that's generally um, it's been a band on and off but it's uh, myself and Alex the singer um, who write, write most of the songs and yeah we, we had a bunch of demos that have been knocking around for years that, that takes us ages to finish stuff um, and I think I sent them to Andy just asking whether you'd make a few drum beats just to f- add a few sounds to it it was a very sp- I was expecting kind of like yeah here's a um, a few drum samples you could spice up these older kind of um, sketches with and now we've ended up with a sort of almost hour-long multimedia digital uh, behemoth I don't know what is it it's it's gone from there to that yeah I'm very I'm not great at taking a brief I like to do my (laughs) thing (laughs) and uh, that's good you know but I think for me it's just about like feeling your way into stuff and like um, Dave presenting me with a couple of tracks and kind, I I just play with things, you know. So I, ju- I just play with 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 the tracks and, and just try and have fun and see what comes out. And what came out with Mu- Muji, which is the first track I, I looked at, 
um, was not beats. I couldn't actually make the beats just to go as a backing track. It, it just wouldn't work for me. But what came out of it was um, like a whole piece. Um, it's quite the first thing I put to you was the more dubby track, and I think you, you came back saying, "This is this is like a this is quite a thing, isn't it? It's a, a whole track within itself." Um, and then I, I, I think I went back and tried to insert more. I realized I'd gone 90% electronic and I hadn't brought enough um, of the Dayflower aesthetic into it. So I did go back to the drawing board and thought, I've got to sort of stay true to my practice and like I've got to bring in more organic. So back to the drawing board and we had the, net, the, the vocal track came back out, which featured more of your sound. Um, and then I think because David presented, you know, we're talking about like depth and breadth here. David presented so much um, depth to Dayflower. It kind of, um, there was this very long brief and lots of um, film, you know, it was, a, it was a film to watch, Lost in Translation, uh, Kevin Shields, um, My Bloody Valentine, you know, so I'm like revisiting bands that I kind of missed in the 90s. And, but was that after you'd sent some visual stuff as well or was it before you, you gave me the brief and I, I kind of got lost in a so world so was there just like, audio at that point but you were asking for just any kind of references and aesthetic kind of you, you pointers start, you started very right at the start you'd given me all the aesthetic pointers and, yeah. then, and then you gave me Muji because we had the idea to do the mix to do it as an audio mixtape yeah that came later you'd given me all the everything right beforehand yeah so yeah it wasn't as you can tell it wasn't very planned from the you know from the top I think because you gave me so much to look at I was I was then armed with like this is who Dayflower are I didn't I didn't really have any concept of who they were if you just look at like the surface stuff it's like this feels like a band that should exist in like 1991 that haven't moved moved on since then but when I get into the surface of it there's like there's so many like references to Japan we've both been to Japan we've both kind of fallen in love with Kyoto we've both experienced the same daydreamy feeling of like floating through Kyoto like isn't we're in a different kind of universe and so I start to kind of like absorb all these influences yeah it's that Um, dream pop thing where there's layers of a lot of reverb and delay kind of on the guitars but still kind of poppy hopefully memorable um, clear melodies within it Um, but yeah the 90s thing's funny but sound sound tech once said to us like if you guys existed like 25 years ago you'd be smashing it yeah yeah
This is Leicester Emergent Arts Radio. What gives you the confidence or the experience has taught you about trusting that more open process? Because you know, predominantly music production and is, is, I mean, a lot of the AI stuff I've been looking at recently about music generation is like, yeah, you can produce your three-minute track and you can put it on your YouTube channel. And it's like all bang, bang, bang to order. You know, there's a very narrow set of parameters for people but you're coming at this from a you know a much more open well we're old basically we remember um you know things being you always had to do a bit of work you know you do you'd always have to track music down somehow um it'd always be communal you'd have to take advice from a from a friend um whether something was good or not and I feel like, um, yeah, there's a, if stuff gets kind of too quick and easy, you know, we all use streaming, we all kind of do stuff like that. But, but yeah, there's definitely the danger with AI that, well, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's going to change everything inevitably. But um, hopefully, you know, people will still... Um, dig a bit deeper and collaborate with with humans because you because we're very complex and and layered things you know yeah it's, it's it feels it's about the depth for me anybody can kind of you can press a button and generate a song and and it's done but there's no fun in that and i think people can see you can feel when something feels too artificial um for us it's about um looking into the, like the depths of our soul and and um for a piece to come out this has been a collaboration so i'm i'm like constantly sense checking against does this fit day flowers aesthetic looking yeah. color scheme it really resonates colors. with with us like alex our singer used to um i think he used to dj we, we both listened to quite a, a, a lot of different stuff and little influences do end up in the Dayflower things, you know. That are quite a, quite a bit of it does use drum machines and synths, and and you know, it's never purely been. Um, even though they're very obvious, 80s and 90s kind of bands as references, we we never we're never completely looking back, and this just takes it um, into a different. It takes it more into Andy's world aesthetically, but it doesn't really lose anything. It doesn't um, sacrifice what the f- kind of the feel and the aim of, of what we were doing. And I think Andy's really uh, got that balance very well. You know, it really it it still really works. Yeah, it's again, it's um, looking at if Dayflower is like organic and natural I'm bringing electronica into it it's, it's trying to balance it all, all the time and um, and really like exploring AI as well for this one and trying to I'm almost like I was saying to you I was like coming up with like a, my own internal like code of conduct and ethics of like how I am prepared to work with AI what I'm prepared to do and what I'm not prepared to do um, I'm not prepared to to press a button and have a track written for me it just doesn't that doesn't work for me but um but one one of the things i'm aware i'm I'm particularly bad at is like mastering that's the whole kind of art within itself so um i've been using like e-mastered to 
to just basically to get the levels right and and to get the finished article just polished um, and we so that masters just to quickly explain so does that master it does like a basic analysis of a track and it it gets a sort of um, it boosts the volume and it does a, a little bit of initial mastering and then there are some quite quite simple um, effective kind of um, sliders that you, you manually kind of boost a bit of an EQ it's very easy to use because mastering is a bit of a dark art that's um, hard to get your head around if you if you're not kind of trained. Um, so it's a useful, yeah, it's a useful very, thing very to much have. So yeah, yeah, very much so. And and I, I feel like I'm not taking it, with this. It's like I'm I'm using AI, but I'm not taking somebody's job because I'd never pay a master to do this. So I'm using AI in that respect. Um, and then there was another thing. I was like, I think I was listening to a podcast that I was that was making me look at AI in a different way I was I was very hesitant to use it uh, like a lot of creatives and then they were talking about like um, all all art and music from going back to sort of early cave paintings uh, has been a collaboration with technology um, we think of technology as something kind of electronic but it's you know okay you know the way they're the first cavemen were mixing kind of blood and berries and uh, spit together to kind of form these different essentially different paints that have lasted tens of thousands of years that, blood that and is, berries and spit that's going to be a project uh, it's our next band <laughs> um, in a yeah. cave somewhere yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. but um but yeah, there, there was there was this bit I got to. I thought it was really interesting. It's like artists have always hacked technology. You know, um, in your in your kind of world, like people like Hendrix have taken the art of like um, distorting sound. Something a distortion would have been, you know, like a, a clusters of fail for, for people that were creating electric guitars. He's taken something that was a fail and turned it into his own craft. And in my world. Um, some electronic producers taken um, tools like the Rolling 303, like a tool that was supposed to be a like a guitar emulation tool. They've taken that and, and created a whole new genre. Uh, like people like DJ Pierre created Acid House just through fiddling knobs and creating this kind yeah, of hip signature. Hip hop was the ultimate, you know, sub, uh, um, twisting of record decks weren't yeah. designed to do that, but they found a way to, to loop you know yeah. to, uh, records and, and that, was that the, feeds back into the techniques 1200 yeah. and 1210 and and then looping the the breakdowns and, and playing one after another after another and absolutely um so you yeah, with, with ai it's it's like what can we do here how can we how can we kind of hack it and make it kind of work for us well the thing i've noticed from a lot of the ai stuff is that all you can the instructions that you've got to give it the prompt that and i'm new to this myself so the but the prompt that you've got to give it really just relates to stuff that it's collated so somebody said it's it's not artificial there's a good quote i saw the other day it's not artificial intelligence it's just very fast statistical analysis so it looks at millions of examples of things that have already been done by humans that are available online and then it collates that information very very quickly and assembles it you know maybe not to such a grand scale but that might be coming soon and it, it it's so it it's 
the the it's looking for things that are already established giving you what you've already got it doesn't have that element it might appear at this first novel stage as with all new technologies do to be given as something new but actually what it's doing is reflecting back what we've already got so that creative capacity that we have as individual humans to suddenly take something and not use it in the way it's intended uh, and to find an alternative purpose for it, that inspirational intuitive nature of doing things because it resonates with us on a different level a kind of emotional mythical spiritual level rather than just being a function of technology um, that that's what I'm, I'm kind of hoping that AI isn't able to do. But it depends how you, how and where you define intelligence. Because if it just comes down to computational power, in a sense, it's inevitable that that, that computers will yeah. out outweigh you know what yeah. what I, human I, I brains yeah, can speed, the speed can of do. In, the speed yeah. of information just keeps growing exponentially. But that doesn't give you in my view intelligence well they haven't learned in the same way because humans learn by looking at the world and and learning language and applying it to to objects but computing is a language already so it's 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 fascinating stuff but it's ai is integrated already we, we couldn't take away AI from we just take it for granted it, it's when ju- it's everywhere you know it, like it's in, just come into the popular domain now yes you know, it's yeah, been there yeah. in the systems in the background yeah, system yeah. running Amazon and running Microsoft it's been there uh, but it's, it runs you know yeah. transport and um, manufacturing and, and, and now it's medicine. just come, it's just it's just kind of burst yeah. the banks and it's come out into a and we think a, a that's flood AI of consumer products by, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it because it's just like you say it's come out in consumer products that we think it's a new thing and that it's it's tangible now isn't it it's something that we've got got our hands on and we can all you know we can put it on we our can phones talk or, to them that's yeah the thing. You know, we have conversations with it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we can interact with it and it's no longer this distant scientific yeah. science fiction prospect it's something which is just you know it, it it's run you know as you say it's, it's run grocery stores and traffic systems for years but now we've got our hands on it and what are we going to do with it that's going to be interesting so do you, do you want to tell us a bit about the uh, kind of, you, you mentioned that the digital art scene in Leicester. Uh, do you want to just kind of give us a bit of an overview about that and what what you've been involved in and what's going on and what we should be looking towards? Anybody listening to this might want to find out more about. Wow, I think. Um well, we're based at the Phoenix here, and we met you, I think, through through that um, WhatsApp group. Um, so I know it. Um, it's Avant now, isn't it? Which is yes, it's we, kind we, of a Phoenix and Leone meetup, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think probably because you're involved with a few, you know, different things with your work and the project, um, you know, out in Loughborough and other stuff so you you kind of know a lot about what's going on there's yeah there's some good stuff going on in Leicester you've got like the LCB depot is kind of the hub very inclusive and uh, you know James Burtmar kind of at, at the helm in, with this very 
great attitude. You know, it's, he's not thinking about um, financial gain all the time. It's it's, um, it's about creating a community. So there's a there's a space in there for creatives to drop in. There's kind of last Friday that connects people. There's uh, there's kind of in-house curated exhibitions that that kind of link up up-and-coming artists with established artists with you know they've got close ties with DMU so I think you know the LCB and Leicester in general are doing a good job in like having close contact with the unis particularly DMU um, cultural quarter I'm looking 15 years ago and I started working in Leicester there wasn't really a cultural quarter and I think a lot's changed since then um, there's there's, there's a lot going on isn't there now and there's a lot of different yeah. art organisations arena here um, at the Phoenix and what would you what would you say was the kind of unique uh, Leicester genus within this you know what would you say was the what's what's the you know if you, if you cut her in half what, what's the pattern what, what's unique to Leicester about this it's such a divergent city isn't it it's such a um, a unique city in that respect it's like so multicultural and I think when you take so many cultures and kind of throw them all together into a big pot you end up with um, some interesting results it's there's, the there's time as well isn't it because there's been generations of people who would have initially um I guess um, moved here from from all over the world, and have now, I, I suppose, yeah, multiple generations have have, have lived here. So it's um, there, there are a lot of traditions, and you know, um, yeah, diverse kind of communities. Um, but it's quite, yeah, it has a very, I guess, not postmodern, but. Um, yeah, people people just connecting in in interesting ways. Yeah, it feels like it's all joined up as well. Like I'm based in Loughborough, but if I go to Derby or Nottingham, it doesn't feel as joined up. Um, and and what helps the joining up? Well, it kind of comes from the top. I think we've got close relationships with the council, um, and so you've you've kind of got art scene connected with council, connected with. What else are we talking about? There's a famous phrase, uh, uh, Brian Eno, let's name drop Brian Eno, but he said, uh, he said, uh, for every genius, you need a senior and you need an, uh, an environment in which that those people who rise up and get noticed and stuff have to cut, they have to be able to walk into a bar and meet people or go and get a haircut or find a record shop or go to a library or a bookshop or you know or meet meet up and talk about similar things there has to be a seniors and that often take that that is as much culturally attuned uh, as those people who are doing work you know kind of because art, you know, artists and creative people don't do things in a vacuum maybe some do but not many people do that in a vacuum. They need that environment around them to nurture them and to to, to be a catalyst for what they do and yeah. a, a reassurance. And a I think the university, De Montfort, has, has a very good, um, you know, for the creative arts, design, um, stuff like um, music technology, 
their course has, has been a really renowned um, uh, very active in the community you know um, John Richards who taught there for a long time um, uh, ha- has a project called Dirty Electronics Ensemble so that was um, he's toured a lot with that with kind of building weird electronic instruments and um, so yeah I think that uh, there's a lot of students in Leicester um, that's a big big kind of thing so they stay on as well don't they a lot people to stay here people there's that thing that people say you come to Leicester and you're kind of stuck here never managed to get out oh yeah that kind of happened to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still yeah. here 30 years later you know so what do you do so if there's uh, we're going to wrap up because we've got some uh, tracks that I've put in between I hope is there anything that you want me to kind of add as a or you want to add as a kind of a a, a pointer to stuff that you want people to be looking not necessarily your own work but you know it could be your own work a pointer to what people should be looking to I guess we can give our um, social media whatever we have with that and yeah well check out this newest thing we have right now which will be the Nimbus um, Dayflower remixed by Andy Harper um, project yeah so the Nim- it'll be the Nimbus mixtape we're releasing it on SoundCloud and it's going out on Bandcamp isn't it is that right it'll be on a little um, digital label uh, called Communion Slush on Bandcamp and there'll be visual stuff you can see so you can see how the the remixes mesh with Andy's um, uh, generated and um, carefully kind of curated aesthetic which is based on you know the pre-existing stuff that we had with the band the music videos and artwork and stuff so it all links together so your social media is oh well you can find um, I think it's Dayflower Band um, or it's uh, dayflower.bandcamp um, Instagram it's always a good test for this bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is it I'm, I'm not used to saying it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, um, somebody listening to it they never see it written down so it's uh, yeah but we can probably add links to uh, this we'll can't links. we yeah, yeah definitely great yeah, I think you're Dayflower Music aren't you on all channels yeah I think so <laughs> And I'm is Andy Harper, um, and andyharper.co.uk is my website and blog. Brilliant. Well, it's been great hearing about what you're doing, and we'll get you back at some point to talk about it a bit more, I think, and uh, and a few other people as well. This is Leicester Emergent Arts Radio.